The sermon is a sermon, uh, the series that I'm going to start today. It's been stirring in me for a few weeks. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Jim, if there's ever a Sunday I might fall off, it might be this one. So just watch. Uh, Jim waits for me to fall off because I get close to the steps. And he says, I put my toes over there and I'm going to fall off one day. So um, I'm trying to contain myself. Anyway, um, you know, uh, as a pastor, last week we spent time looking back. We looked at the previous year. We were able to celebrate together as a body all that God did through us. It's pretty remarkable when we look back and see what he, he has done in us and through us. When we come together, all the opportunities, all the ways, all the places, all the parts of the kingdom that we were able to be a part of. And we look back at that last week, and I wanted us to take a moment to look back at that because I think it causes us to praise God. But today is exciting for me as a pastor because today is in, is in a sermon about looking back, but this morning is a sermon about looking ahead. Uh, this morning is, for me, if you want to call it a vision Sunday, whatever you want to say, is really what God has been stirring in me about what he has for our church, for the body of Christ, for me uh, this year. The first Sunday of the year, I preached a sermon. Um, it was on the first words of Jesus, and we looked through the Gospels at the first word in red in each of the Gospels. And one of those words, uh, it's already behind me, I didn't realize that, uh, has been resonating with me. Since I read it, uh, I'm going to read Matthew chapter three. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this then to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. When I read the phrase, fulfill all righteousness. Sometimes you get one of those words and it just won't leave you. Like I read this word and it's one that, that when I read it, it seems funny. I mean, it's just uh, Jesus is getting baptized by John. Like what's really the big deal in this? Uh, Jesus and John are going back and forth about whether this should happen. And Jesus says, no, there's one reason I need to do this and that's to fulfill all righteousness. And as a pastor, um, I really feel like those three words are words that God has for his body this year, that God's desire for us is that he would fulfill all righteousness. And that phrase is, is a pretty complicated phrase, really. Um, there's some, some words in it that, that, that maybe we know what they mean or we don't know what they mean. So I'll give you a picture of what my series is going to look like. If you don't get to come to church all the time, please try to tap into either the Facebook 10-minute devotion, 12-minute devotion, or the sermons that go online. I believe it's, it's powerful. I believe it's a promise. I believe it's something that God has for us, and I don't want the body to miss it. So my intent for this series is I want to look at the two, the two main words in that verse, fulfill and righteousness. And I want to look at them separately, because remember, the New Testament was written in Greek, and so when we see words in Greek, sometimes there's meaning, sometimes there's understanding that we can miss. So I want to look at the word fulfill. I want to look at the word righteousness so I know what God is doing. It's, a, it's what Jesus said. We need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I believe it's his word to us. I want to know what they mean. So we're going to do word studies on, on both of those words, one on fulfill, one on righteousness. And then we're going to look at some application of the phrase Put together. That's why it's kind of important to track together, because if you miss one, you might not know the connecting point later. That's just my commercial on that. How does Pastor Steve do a word study? I mentioned it was written in Greek. And so what I like to do when there's a word or there's a phrase in Scripture, uh, the Internet is a phenomenal tool today 
Any one of us can do this. You don't have to have lots of money and an expensive library to be able to do these things. And so what I do when I read something, and I want to know more about what a word means. So the word is fulfilled today. The first step that I take is I type in Google, and I type in uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, and I write the word interlinear behind it. And what what happens is there's a, a website that comes up that literally has the Greek with the translation uh, above it or below it. So you see the words, you see the Greek, and you know which word goes with each one. So on the word fulfill, it said this uh, random word, pleroo, was the word in Greek that, that was here for fulfill. So what I do is I look at that word, and then I read dictionaries on that word. The nice part about the Internet is most of them are on the same place. So I can click the word, and it takes me to a place where I get to see what a bunch of smart people said this word means. That helps me to understand it. That's good application because there's context that sometimes is lost in translation. There isn't just a direct Greek to English translation. Sometimes there's pieces of it or there are ways in which it's used differently. Love is the one that we probably all know. There's several different types of love that we just interpret as love. So then my next step, after I read what a bunch of smart people say, I try to join the game. And so I look for every place in Scripture that that word is. If it's in Greek, it's probably going to be in the New Testament because the New Testament was written in Greek. It'd be in Hebrew in the Old Testament. Uh, so I look at the New Testament. This particular word, play roo, was used 88 times in the New Testament. So guess what Pastor Steve wants to do? Read all 88 times that it occurs. Because sometimes when we see, especially the same author, so the book of Matthew, anytime Matthew used it, if he says it once, he probably means the same thing or something similar when he says the same word later, right? Like dinner. That's a word that culturally is different here than it is where I came from. It took me a while to figure out that dinner wasn't supper. In our lingo, dinner is supper. It's the same thing. It's the last meal of the day. I came here, someone asked me to come for dinner, and they said, it's going to be at 2. And I'm like, why are you eating dinner at 2? You see how sometimes, but every time they use, guess what I learned? Ding, ding, ding. When, when Casey says dinner, he means lunch. Like, that's the application. So, so when we see how someone uses something over and over again, it kind of helps us to understand what that word means. So this morning, my intent is not to go through all 88 verses. I did that already. My intent is to go through some that I pulled out and see potentially some context to what this word fulfill means. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you this morning that we're here. We thank you for your presence and your word. I thank you that you speak to your people. And I pray that today as we look at your word, we hear it, we see it, we understand it. We ask God for your anointing in this place. We ask for your presence. We submit all of ourselves to you, our thoughts, our distractions. We submit them to you, God, asking for you to be glorified. God, as a pastor, I I lay down myself before you, asking that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So step one was looking at the, the definitions in the dictionary. So for this word fulfill that we see in in this particular verse, uh, it's interpreted several different ways. It says to make full, to complete, to accomplish, to finish, to furnish, supply, or level up. 
So the idea the dictionaries presented when they tried to give me some context of what this word to accomplish, to, to, to fulfill, to furnish, to, to supply for, to level up. So then I went to the book of Matthew. The most common usage in the book of, well, in, in, in scripture for this word fulfill comes along with the, the promises of the Old Testament. Like many times when we see the word fulfill occur in scripture, what it's relating to is something similar to Matthew chapter one. This occurs several times in this, this nativity story, the story of the birth of Christ. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the scriptures we have, there was Old Testament prophecy that Jesus came to fulfill. What does that mean? When he came, he came to accomplish. Now, he didn't set out like I've got a list of things, like a checklist that I've got to do. He came to accomplish. His life was accomplishing what was promised in the Old Testament. It was promised through the prophets of old that these things would be accomplished in Jesus' life. So what he's talking about, it was written. This is the word. This was the promise. This was the prophecy that was coming. It was written that there would be a virgin who would conceive and give birth to a son. So I am living in the fulfillment. He's the accomplishment of that which was said. Another place in the book of Matthew where we see this same word, kind of along these same lines, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now remember, there was an Old Testament law. We're talking about Mount Orb. That's where that law came There was a law in which the people lived by that they would find salvation through. And Jesus, he's speaking to the Pharisees, to the ones who kind of knew that law the best. And he's saying to them, now, listen, I didn't come to abolish that. But what did he come to do? I came to to accomplish what that was trying to accomplish. Paul writes in the book of Romans, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met, that's that same word, in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There was a law, and it was an imperfect law. It was a law that was temporary. Remember, the sacrifice had to happen once a year to fulfill the old law. Jesus Christ said, I came not to, not to do away with that, but to show you that this can be accomplished, it can be completed, it can be whole through me. So when he says that I'm going to fulfill the law, he's saying that I'm going to accomplish what the law was trying to accomplish that it didn't accomplish. It's going to be completed in my life. It's going to be completed in me. I love the thought process that God is is promising to fulfill. He's promising to accomplish. He's promising, listen to me in this, to bring things to pass that had been promised in the past. Do you hear that? I'm not changing things. When we see the word fulfill, it often means there's a promise that was made. There was a word that was spoken. There was a prophecy that was made. And I'm the God who's coming to accomplish that which was promised. Man, what if, what if 2023 was a year of 
being fulfilled? What if 23 was a year in which the promises that God has made to us were being accomplished? They were being completed in our lives this year. I like that. That's a good word. But it's not the only way in which we see this word fulfill used in Scripture. Now, this is going to be a funny one. This is the parable of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. Just again, pastor likes to look at the different verses, see how it's used, and see what it means. So, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down in the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore, and they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. Literally, that means when it was fulfilled. I mean, we think, we think of full like there were just enough fish in the net. But there's, a, there's an understanding here for fulfill that, that I love. Because the net wasn't just filled, but it was at capacity. Does that make sense? That net was created for a purpose. And that purpose was to catch fish. And when that, when that net had fully done, when it had fulfilled its purpose, it was full. It was at the capacity in which it was designed to be. We see this same understanding used in John chapter 12. Mary took about a pint of pure nard, expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was, it was filled. What does that mean? Every nook and cranny. Every bit of the house was saturated it was fully complete with the perfume or the scent of the perfume. What if God is saying to you this year that this is a year where he wants to fulfill the capacity in which he's created you to be? That's exciting. And it's scary. I'll be honest, when I was working on this, I wanted to skip this one because this one makes me a little queasy right now. Um, as a pastor, I feel like God called me. And he wants me to be obedient to him and pursue a master's degree. I have to do videos that ask me why I'm pursuing a master's degree. And every time I say I'm just doing it to grow. I don't, everybody else, they want to teach. They want to do this. They want to do that. I'm doing it because I want to grow. I feel like God wants me to do this to grow. I'm taking a New Testament survey class. I thought it was going to be easy. And I had to ask why I was taking the class. What did I hope to get out of the class? I just want to grow. So what did my professor do? My class officially started on the 11th. That was Wednesday. He assigned 268 pages of reading for a quiz on Monday. And 268 pages of reading, like, in a nice little nonfiction book isn't too bad, but 268 pages of reading in a history book where we're talking about the history of the Greeks and the Jews and their cults and, and their religions and, and, and the effect of the New Testament and, and Judaism issues and, and the different sects of Judaism and, and all these things. And it's just like a page of information on one topic, and then you turn the page, and it's a page of information on another topic. And I will be honest, I think it was on Thursday, my wife was studying for her graduate class, and I was sitting in my recliner reading my book on my graduate class, and I took my reading glasses off because I'm getting old and I need them to read my book at times now, and I slammed them down, and I slammed the book down, and I said, I can't do it. Like, there's no more room up here for this amount of information, I don't have the capacity. And God challenged me. And he said, did I call you to do this? And God sees in me capacity that I don't see in myself. 
And God wants to stretch in me to be at the full capacity so I can be the best me that I possibly can be. That means being the best pastor that I possibly can be because that's what he created me to do. I believe, now listen, capacity is not fun at times. When you haven't stretched in a while, it hurts to stretch. When you haven't used muscles in a while, boy, they're sore. But if it means God's got a plan and he wants me to be the best me I possibly can be, then I want to be fulfilled. I want to be filled to capacity. I want to be stretched so that every nook and cranny is being filled with the presence and the power of God. What if 2023 was a year of capacity? Not just a year of accomplishment, but a year of, of, of that capacity in which God sees in you that you don't see in yourself. That he, he allows us to accomplish things that we never dreamed possible because of the capacity, the fulfillment in which he sees us being able to do. Mark, one of the first words that we read on the first Sunday of the year, has that same verse in it. The same word in it, I'm sorry, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Verse 15 is where this word is at. It says, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Now repent and believe good news. This verse, uh, the, the, the word fulfill actually is in the first four words of verse 15. Because when you read it in other translations, it'll say the time has been fulfilled. Not just the time has come, but the time has been fulfilled. What was Jesus saying when he spoke this? This is the time the Father ordained for me to be here. This is the time that God orchestrated from the beginning of the world that, 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 that his word would be made flesh and make his dwelling among us so the good news could be preached to all people, that the kingdom of God is here. So we need to repent. We need to change so we can accept it. It was the due time. It was the due season. It was the season which was ordained for this to be accomplished. What if 2023 is a due season, a season of fulfillment, a season in which we're, we're appointed for. Let me be simple. When I thought of this, the picture I had in my mind, remember the old school timers you had in the kitchen that were always off-white because they'd been in the kitchen too long, and you'd twist them, and they'd tick, 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 and then it would ring? You know when due season for brownies was? When that timer went off. It wasn't due season for the brownies until the timer went off. But I tell you what, what happened when the timer went off? I didn't care how hot it was. I don't care how hot they are. That's why I put some ice cream on them. I'm telling you what, brownies and some cold ice cream, hot, flaming hot brownies and some cold ice cream in one bite, that is like heaven. That's like manna. But what's the due season? The due season is when it's been accomplished, when it's the right time for it. If we wait too long, guess what happens? They get burned. If we pull them out too good, I mean, eh, that's all right. They're gooey and they're yummy, but that's besides the point. Um, Jesus was saying in, in the book of Mark, it's the due season. You know, he says this, that phrase in another place. You know, he said, you've been sowing. And there's a due season to reap a harvest. 
There's the right season to go out and reap what you've been sowing for. We know when we're supposed to bring in what God has called us to do. As a pastor, I believe the fields are ripe for the harvest. I believe it's a due season for us as a body to be about the Father's business of a harvest. We've sowed seeds. We've we've watered them. We've taken care of them. We've made sure they've been in good soil. And they're producing fruit. And it's our job as His children to harvest the fruit. Not for this church, but for the kingdom of God. It's due season. It's the year the time has been fulfilled. It's the time. It's the right time. The timer's gone off. There's some brownies to be eaten. Get the ice cream out. To fulfill. This is a longer verse. John chapter 16. Jesus saw they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while? You'll see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. So they're wrestling with what? These are the disciples of Jesus. They're wrestling with the reality that's coming as his followers. What's he telling them is happening? I'm going to die. Remember, he says, I'm going to leave you for a little while. So that's what they're wrestling through right now. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of a joy that a child is born into the world, her joy. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me for anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Your joy will be complete. Your joy will be fulfilled. He's saying, hey, I get it. This is going to be a rough season. There's some challenges coming. We see the disciples, how they responded to this on the road to Emmaus. They talk about being confused and losing hope. But Jesus promised them that your joy would be made complete. I believe that God desires to fulfill our joy. I believe that God desires to make his joy complete in our lives. I believe that if there's anything God wants, it's that we would live with a joy that can only come through him. A joy that's fulfilled through him. Look at this in verse John 4. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits as he listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. That's the joy that God wants for us. That's the joy that he longs for us to have. A joy that is complete. If you keep my commands, Carrie, there you go. You remain in my love. Just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be fulfilled. The promise of Jesus Christ, the promise to us is that he desires to fulfill us, to complete in us joy. He promises us joy that is ours. It's joy that's not dependent on what's happening around us. It's joy that is certain. It's joy that is eternal. 
It's joy that we can have in Him. I think someone needs to hear this year that God wants to fulfill His joy in you so that your joy can be made complete. God wants this to be a year in which you discover the fullness of His joy so that your joy, the joy that is in you, the joy that is unspeakable, the joy that isn't just I'm happy all the time, but the joy that is I've got a, a, a confidence in God, an assurance in who He is and what He will do. He wants to fulfill that joy in you. Man, that's a good word. Not just joy. But look at the prayer of Paul in the book of Romans. May the God of hope fill you, that's be fulfilled, with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. God wants to give you not just joy, but he wants to give you peace. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you the fullness of his Holy Spirit. What happened to the disciples on the day of Pentecost? They were in one place, and the sound came, and they were what? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you with his joy. He wants to fill you with his peace. He wants to fill you with his hope. He wants you to be fulfilled with his spirit. You're full of goodness and knowledge. Ephesians 1, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He is the source of fulfillment. I will tell you this, if you're looking to be fulfilled in any way other than Jesus Christ in 2023, you will never be fully filled. It's only a shadow. The things that we chase to fulfill ourselves, the things that we look to for hope and peace and joy, the things that we run after for goodness and, and, and all the needs where God fills me with everything in every way, they are incomplete. They are not the fullness. They are not the, the ability to fulfill, to make whole. They'll fail. His desire. Paul again. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'm fulfilled when I understand his love for me. Why do we sing songs about the amazing love of God? Why do we sing songs about Jesus and his blood? It's because that's what fulfills me. That's where I find peace. That's where I find hope. That's where I find joy. I cannot find it apart from anyone else. He says, you know, I, I, I want you to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's an impossible thing for me in my finite mind. But boy, I catch glimpses of it and it inspires me. It fulfills 
me. It supplies me. It propels me. It allows me to be stretched to capacity because of the revelation of the love of God. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. I need to be fulfilled with the knowledge of God. I need to know that I can say in due season, I'm accomplishing that which was promised. You see, God has a plan not just for pastor, not just for others. He has a plan for your life. He's got a purpose in which he's created you to live. He's got a plan in which he's orchestrated in your life. And he wants us to come. He desires for us to come to the knowledge of, 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 of his will, wisdom and understanding. He wants you to have wisdom and understanding. He wants you to know what he's created you for. He wants you to reach the capacity in this season, in the season in which he has for your life. To fulfill all righteousness. I believe that in this year, this is my heart. I'm not just saying this because I wrote the sermon. I'm saying this because I believe it in me. That God desires to fulfill the accomplishment of his word. That's for our church as a whole, and that's for you as his child. I believe in my heart that God has said to us, it is due season. You know, I, I was a youth pastor, and I remember waiting for the seasons to change and how often we kept waiting for the right time. But the right time never comes because there's always something to do. There's always something else to keep us busy. There's always a reason we can't do this or we can't do that. We can't do what God asks us. We'll get to that. We'll get there. But he's saying it's the due season. Jesus said, you know what? What just happened when Jesus spoke those words? The one in which he said, I'm going to go, dude, the time has now come. Do you know what just happened before that? John just got arrested. What's the time to do? Let's go get some guys together and bust him out. Let's go stage a protest and, and sit outside Herod's office and scream, you can't do this. He said, no, it's, it's not time for that. It's time for me to do what I was created to do. To do what the Father sent me to do. Not created to do, sorry. We can get theological on me here, so we won't do that. To do what the Father sent me to do. It's the due season. I believe it's a season. Listen to me, church. I believe 2023, I believe this season, whether it's defined by, by a calendar or not, I believe it's a season in which God's saying, hey, I, I, I'm nudging you. It's time. It's time. You know what the it's time is. No one had to tell Jesus it was time to preach the good news because he knew when the Father said it was time, it was time. I believe that it's time. It's that season. It's that moment. It's time to do that thing, to do the what God had promised you to do. Because guess what? He might stretch you because there might be capacity that he's finding in you because you say, hey, God, I know what you said I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to catch fish, but I don't even like the way they smell. 
I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I haven't learned enough. I've done enough that I know that I'm not right for the job. Because what I did, you'd be embarrassed of. And God's saying, it's time to accomplish what was promised. It's a season to fulfill what you've been called to do. Because God will supply all your needs. He will fulfill you according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's the same word there. He will supply for you as we step out. For in Christ, the fullness of the deity of lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. You guys can come forward. My heart, can I go to the last screen? Just the title screen. There we go. Is that we would see this this year and believe it. I pray that that as I preached this morning, that the Spirit of God, the one who dwells within us, highlighted for you something that he said, that's for you today. If he highlighted for you, hey, that promise, that word that was spoken, that thing that was written long ago, it's time to be fulfilled. If he highlighted to you that reality that it is the right season, if he highlighted for you the reality of joy or peace or hope or goodness or knowledge or wisdom or the will of God, if he highlighted to you that this is the day that that, that you will be stretched, the season in which you're going to do more than you've ever dreamed and he's going to stretch you, we need to respond to what God has called us to do. I believe it's a year in which we will be fulfilled. I believe that his word said you didn't come here today by accident. I almost puffed up my chest a little bit when God was talking because he said you had a good messenger. I asked him this morning, God, confirm this word. Because I believe it. And in my, in my spirit, I knew it was from him, but I wanted him to confirm it because this is his word to you. I don't like to look at people and say, God said, but I believe God said. I believe God's saying. I mean that in the sense of where we get over spiritual at times and we make promises that God never made. That's where I want accountability there. I like to say what God said because it's in his word. But I believe God's saying. He desires to fulfill all righteousness. Today, focus on that word, fulfill. You know what? I want to go back and, and, and just look at the last definition. I loved it when I read it. I didn't see it in Scripture anywhere yet, but I'm not sure why they put it there. But the last one he said was it was time to level up. Like that's what fulfill meant. And for me, that was like a cool picture. And you ever play video games and you've got to get that little bar filled up? And then when you get that little bar filled up, you've got special powers or something? What if God wants to level you up this year? What if he's saying it's a year for something, something beyond you? What if he's saying it's a year that's 
but something different. God, I come to you this morning and and I, I thank you for this word. Thank you for these words. God, I thank you that the word that Jesus spoke to John is a word that you're speaking to us today. And God, I know so often we're content just to continue. We're okay to push it down the road. Just keep doing what we've been doing. We're okay to just have a little bit of joy and and seek some hope for a moment. But God, you said it's complete in you. It's completed in Jesus Christ. It's completed in what Jesus Christ accomplished for us when we became joint heirs. God, I'll get to righteousness and what what righteousness means. But but today, I pray, God, that we would be a people who seek to be fulfilled. That we would be a people who seek fulfillment through Jesus Christ. That we would look for fulfillment in what you've said. That we would look for fulfillment in what you're calling us to do. That we would look to be fulfilled as you stretch us. That we would look for joy and hope and peace and love that can only be found in Jesus Christ. For us, God, that this year would be a year in which we're fulfilled. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite everyone or whoever wants you to come for prayer in just a minute, but there's one last piece I wanted to tie together, and I didn't know how it fit. And then the word came this morning, and God promised us peace. And and we've been talking about fulfillment. It's about this wholeness. It's about being complete. In the Old Testament, the word peace, it's the word shalom. And when I read about that word for peace, do you know where that peace is found? That peace isn't just like this non-anxious feeling that we have. That peace isn't just like we're not worried about what's coming tomorrow. That peace literally in the Old Testament when they say the word shalom, the idea is a complete circle, not an incomplete circle. The picture I have for us today, contemporary Christians, when it comes to that, is a puzzle with all the pieces together. That's peace. When there's not a peace in place, when it's not complete, when it's not fulfilled, we don't have peace. God promises us peace that comes when the whole circle is put together. That when it's complete and whole, it only comes through Jesus Christ, who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We cannot find it anywhere. He promised us peace today his word. This peace comes through being fulfilled. This morning, if you want to respond to the word, if you want me to pray with you or someone else, uh, Walt's going to lead us in a course, but I I just encourage you to, to reflect and respond how God's leading you. God desires to fulfill all righteousness. You believe that God has, has a word for you in that? You can say amen. That's so be it. That means God have your way. However it is and whatever's to come, God, you want to fulfill, amen. So be it. Bring it on. Let's go.
It's time to level up. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you level up this year. Amen? Be blessed.